It's Bruce Springsteen's 70th birthday, which, I know, has nothing to do with the news in Northeast Ohio, but I mention it because I was born and raised in New Jersey, and I'm grateful to be on this planet at the same time as such an incredible storyteller and songwriter. Happy birthday, Bruce. This is The Wake Up, the daily news briefing from Cleveland.com. I'm Chris Quinn. A former Cleveland City Councilman is a principal in the company that owns an east side duplex where four decomposing bodies were discovered Saturday night. John Barnes Sr., who served on council for 18 years, is listed in an online bio as the president of Lake Erie Properties, although he described himself to Cleveland.com merely as an investor. Barnes said he visited the house on East 144th Street twice during the first two weeks of September, encountering someone living on the third floor of what is supposed to be a vacant building. Barnes said the house has been renovated from top to bottom about a year ago, but Cleveland.com's visit to the house found it to be less than pristine, and property records show the building has $31,000 in delinquent taxes. Police were called to the duplex at 9 p.m. Saturday on a report of a dead body, and they found four in a third-floor bedroom. Identities are not yet available. City Councilman Kevin Bishop, who represents the Ward 2 neighborhood, said he was meeting with residents Sunday to talk about their fears. He said the neighborhood has problems with homelessness and drug abuse. Kellyanne Conway took the usual shots at the Democratic presidential field, not to pension former Republican Governor John Kasich, during Saturday's Ohio Republican Party state dinner in Columbus. But it was another topic that stood out in the speech by the outspoken counselor to President Donald Trump. Conway devoted much of her time during the GOP fundraiser to call on more women to run for public office. Conway, Trump's 2016 campaign manager, said the number one impediment to women running for office is that they wait to be asked. Conway also criticized the Democratic field of challengers to Trump's re-election, noting that the top three are all white career politicians in their 70s. As she was in Columbus, Conway couldn't resist taking a shot at Kasich, a frequent Trump critic who has been ostracized by the Republican Party. The shot was a weak one, a mention that when she saw the large crowd that gathered to see Trump at the Mahoning County Fair in 2016, the only one missing was Kasich. Meanwhile, Kasich is emailing supporters about his new book, which comes out October 15th. The book, which Kasich says isn't political, is called It's Up to Us, 10 Little Ways We Can Bring About Big Change. His aim, he says, is to restore civility in America. Democrats were quick to back working-class United Auto Workers in their strike against General Motors, delivering donuts and holding picket signs outside factories to show solidarity. It's a union they have long aligned with politically. No donuts, though, from any Republicans. GOP officials have largely avoided taking sides in the strike that threatens to mark the economies of states throughout the Midwest, including Ohio, a year before the 2020 election. Most Republicans have said little about the substance of the dispute, and that muted response reflects the tricky politics of labor for Republicans. Trump has made inroads with members of some unions, partly because he promised to get tough on trade and keep manufacturing jobs in the United States. But a strike prompted in part over GM's plan to close American plants, like the one in Lordstown, 
highlights Trump's unfulfilled promises on manufacturing and gives Democrats a big opening to get labor fully on their side. Backing the union would undermine Trump's message that labor does not advocate for its workers and give a powerful Democratic force a boost before an election. Siding with GM would call into question his promises to defend workers, and he would risk getting blamed for economic woes in crucial Rust Belt states. His task will only get more challenging the longer this thing goes on. Dave Greenspan doesn't seem content to wait out the seemingly endless back and forth over how Ohio should institute gun law reforms. The Republican state representative from Westlake has introduced a bill laying out a protocol to seize guns from someone deemed to be a danger to themselves or another. And his bill does not make that task an easy one. House Bill 338 spells out the process for what Greenspan is calling a potential risk protection order. It would force the state to prove to a judge that someone poses a risk beyond a reasonable doubt, that's the same standard as a criminal conviction, before seizing their weapons. Greenspan's bill seems an unlikely vehicle for this proposal, but with the gun debate in new territory of late, even our Republican governor is calling for reforms, it's a big unknown. A bipartisan package of Senate gun bills, including a red flag variant and expanded background checks on gun sales, got their first hearing last week. That said, the gun-friendly GOP legislature has shown no willingness to bend here. Filmmakers of the Liam Neeson movie Minuteman wanted to feature the blocky brick Cuyahoga County Board of Elections office on the big screen as a Texas-Mexico border government building, but a tie vote from the board Friday scrapped Hollywood's plans. Normally, Secretary of State Frank LaRose would step in to break such a tie, but in this case he signaled he's not getting involved in a purely local issue. The movie is an action thriller. Does Liam Neeson make anything else these days? About a retired Vietnam vet who protects a young boy being hunted by a dangerous drug cartel. It is being filmed in Cleveland and New Mexico. Filmmakers wanted to spend six days filming in the building this week, and the two Democrats on the elections board thought that would be fine. The two Republican members on the board voted no, worrying that the movie could interfere with the November election, for which overseas and military ballots are already arriving. Cuyahoga County owns the building and had been negotiating with the production company for some time, but no one appears to have considered what the elections board might think, Board members found out about this last Tuesday and called for a vote. A Cuyahoga Falls couple who met in 2007 and had their first date tailgating in a Browns game tied the knot Sunday where their romance began at the Browns tailgate. Said Sarah Smith, this is where we fell in love. She married Jason Wigley in a brown and orange ceremony in the tailgate area known as the Pit, where they have been regulars during their 12 years together. They were joined by 100 friends, many with beers in hand, specially labeled by Thirsty Dog Brewing. After they said their vows, they were joined by their four-year-old daughter, Charlotte, as they walked together for the first time as spouses. The wedding could be an open for a winning Brown season. The year they had their first date, the Browns went 10-6. and six. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Wake Up, which is clocking in around six minutes. But of course, as we know from Springsteen, we learned more from a three-minute record than we ever learned from a podcast. To help celebrate his 70th, maybe play something from the boss on this Monday in Cleveland. You never know, you might learn something.